Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster here along with Brian Hoke, our MLB.com Yankees reporter who is down in Orlando. It's the GM meetings, the not as publicized but still as important meetings leading up to the winter meetings in December. Um, I guess first off, same location as the winter meetings coming up in a month. Brian, how important are these GM meetings just to set things up and, and get people talking about deals that could get done later in the hot stove season? Yeah, same city, but it'll be a different hotel. But uh, I think that you, you hit the nail right on the head. It, what you do is you kind of set the tone for the offseason. Uh, in the Yankees' case, they had their organizational meetings in New York. Uh, obviously, we were all distracted by the fact that they were parting ways with Joe Girardi, but there was a lot of other uh, news and developments that came out of those meetings. And basically, you, you take a look at what you have on your roster, what every other team has on their roster, and you begin to figure out where some fits might be to make trades or who you're going to pursue in free agency. So that has all taken place already, and the Yankees came down here locked and loaded with that information. And even though their managerial search is on hold, they're, they're still able to do some business. Brian Cashman was saying there's been a lot of text messages, uh, a lot of conversations just in the hallways, uh, no face-to-face meetings with other teams, but you don't necessarily need to. Uh, as you mentioned, it's a little more under the radar here. Uh, you don't have all the minor league baseball people here. You don't have a whole lot of agents or, or players looking for jobs. It's, it's a more low-key event than the winter meetings, and, and that leads a lot of times to getting a deal done. Uh, you know, A few years ago, this is where the Yankees were able to hammer out something with the Twins that put Aaron Hicks in pinstripes, and they traded John Ryan Murphy to Minnesota. So deals like that can happen here. Um, a lot of times it's a precursor for what's going to happen later in the, uh, the offseason. The big news with the Yankees, of course, is that continuing managerial search, and the names are all over the place with this thing. You hear Eric Wedge, Hensley Mullins, Rob Thompson, of course. Uh, Aaron Boone's name has come up. There was David Cohn and John Flaherty expressing interest. I mean, the longer this goes, Brian, the crazier the names I think we're going to hear involved in it are. Um, it just seems like it's it's dragging at this point. What is the holdup as far as the Yankees' plan, and and getting to the point where they're confident in the guy they want? I think from the outside, it may seem like it's dragging. From the Yankees' perspective, they don't have a game tomorrow. 
They don't have a game the day after that. They don't have a game after that. I, so, really, they're on the clock, but their clock is February. Uh, so, I, I think that because the fact that the other 29 teams have their real situation figured out, this is the only game in town. So, they can take their time, and these opportunities don't come around very often. I, I think that you're going to probably see the Yankees interview upwards of Last time it was only three guys. They interviewed Joe Girardi, they interviewed Don Mattingly, and Tony Pena. I, I think they're going to interview at least twice that uh, during this third year. Uh, I think this is just getting started. Uh, and uh, the reason that they can do that is, as I said, uh, they're the only game in town. So anybody in baseball who the Yankees have had an interest in talking to at some point or might even be considering for something that's not a managerial post. You know, For example, Eric Wedge. Uh, even if he doesn't come in as the manager, maybe he's a guy you want to think about as a bench coach for the new manager. So uh, they have that now freedom to bring these guys into Yankee Stadium, sit down in a room with them for five or six hours, uh, ferry them around from department to department. And really, uh, this is an opportunity that doesn't come around very often for the Yankees uh, to, to interview other teams' talent and people who are in other organizations. So I think that uh, because of all those I, I, aspects there, uh, Brian Cashman is going to take his time with it. So I, I don't think that the, the Yankees are going to have a manager this week or next week. And, uh, you know, I, it may stretch into December. I wouldn't be shocked to see that. You make a good point that all the other teams have filled their spots, so there's no race here. They don't have to grab somebody right. before another team swoops in and gets them. Uh, they can take their time. That's a very good point. Now, uh, they have decided that Larry Rothschild will be back as pitching coach. Do you find it odd at all that they announced that when they haven't found a manager because you would assume you know a pitching coach and a manager need to be able to work hand in hand um you would think the manager would in a lot of cases have some say in who the pitching coach is but i guess the yankees are just this confident that rothschild is the guy and, and should be the guy again in 2018 yeah larry's uh, such a good fit for this organization obviously he's been here since 2011 uh, he's been in pro ball for over 40 years, if you run the clock back. Uh, previously with the Chicago Cubs as a pitching coach, he managed the Tampa Bay Devil Rays for a couple of years there when they were just starting out. So, I mean, this is a guy who's worn a lot of different hats in baseball. And uh, in terms of running a pitching staff, helping pitchers reach their potential, uh, there are a few better in the game than Larry Rothschild. I, I think that if you talk to people around the game, He's held in such high esteem that this was somebody that the Yankees had no intention of letting get away. And so I, I think that whoever the next manager will be, managers don't always get to pick their entire staff. You know, Girardi only really picked two guys when he came in the first year. And uh, Bobby Meacham, the third base coach, only lasted a season. Mike Harkey was the other one. So uh, the other picks were from the organization. And I think that the Yankees will be supplying their new manager with a above-average pitching coach in Larry Rothschild, and uh, he should be able to work with everybody. But I think the most important thing is he works well with the players and he works well with the front office. The relationship with the manager, you can hammer that out later. All right, well, it's kind of Aaron Judge week as far as awards go in Major League Baseball. Rookie of the Year was announced on Monday evening. Judge obviously wins that. That was a foregone conclusion. The uh, MLB rookie record, 52 homers in 2017 and everything else. Um, if there was ever a lock for the BBWAA awards, it was that Aaron Judge would win Rookie of the Year this year. 
MVP is going to be a different story, though. That's coming up on Thursday, and obviously it's Judge and Altuve. Feels like a two-man race, and it also feels like a race that you can't really call at this point. Obviously, these votes were put in before the postseason. Both these guys had good postseasons, but none of that matters. Um, do you have any inkling in your mind if, as to which of those guys is going to come out on top? I think it's going to be Altuve just okay. because – the voters probably penalized Judge for that six-week uh, soon he had after the All-Star break, but it's going to be very, very close. I think this is going to be decided by three or four votes, and uh, as we've seen in <laughs> elections in years past, I, I think that crazy things can happen. So I, I expect that Jose Altuve is going to be the MVP, but I think it's going to be very close, and if some of the voters voted uh Differently, I mean, look, you can make a case either way, and Aaron Judge is phenomenal. You know, 52 home runs and shattering the rookie record. I, I don't think there's a wrong choice to make there. Maybe Altuve was more consistent from pole to pole in April to September. And, but I, I think that if you look at it another way, I don't think the Yankees make the postseason this year if Aaron Judge doesn't have the kind of season that he did. I'm not sure you can say that about the Houston Astros. So, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can slice it, but I, I think it's going to be very close. I expect that Altuve is going to win, but I will not be shocked if it's Judge. I completely agree with you. I think it's Altuve. I think he's maybe a little more deserving. I also think he gets maybe the sentimental vote as the guy who's been doing this now for some time as opposed to Judge, who was just his rookie year. I don't know how many uh, writers think that way, but uh, but that goes into my thought process a little bit. All right. Um, Carlos Beltran retires. Obviously, here's a guy that wanted to win a ring as a New York Yankee, signed with the Yankees for that reason. Didn't happen. Instead, he gets that ring with the Astros, beating the Yankees along the way. But you look back on his time in New York, and, and he was obviously a solid player. Wasn't in his prime, but he did hit his 400th career homer in pinstripes. What do you remember most about Carlos Beltran, the Yankee years? What I remember about Beltron was, obviously, as you mentioned, he'd lost a step. He wasn't the elite center fielder anymore. He'd shifted over to right field. But I, I remember how the players gravitated toward him. And it wasn't just the position players, because they did. And if you're a young outfielder, you certainly want to talk to Carlos Beltron about hitting and, and playing the outfield. But I, I remember days in spring training where he would have gatherings of Pitchers, position players, everybody, and Luis Severino, Michael Pineda, these guys coming over and talking to Beltron and picking his brain, not just about baseball, but about life. And he was kind of this sage, older player. He fell into that role. And, you know, I was lucky enough, I, I saw Beltron during the prime of his career across town with the Mets, and I was there on a daily basis. And um, he was. He was the best player on that team. And you look at the numbers, and uh, – if he goes into the Hall of Fame, there's a very good case that he should go in wearing a Mets hat. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But across town with the Yankees, that's where he wanted to be. Uh, I remember that he had a meeting with George Steinbrenner back in the day and, and said he wanted to play in New York, but the Yankees had Bernie Williams in center field, so that wasn't going to happen. But he achieved that dream. And uh, what I remember finally about Beltron's time with the Yankees was that final spring that he was with the team in 2016, he came in and said, you know, there's this young prospect. Uh, put his locker next to mine. I can teach him about New York. I can teach him about baseball and how to prepare and how to play right field because he's probably going to take my job in a year or two. And that player was Aaron Judge. So uh, I think that Beltron had a very big impact on the Yankees, uh, and it went beyond what happened between the white lines on the field.
That is called tying a podcast together. Beltron to Aaron Judge. Great stuff, as always. This has been MLB.com Extras, Yankees edition. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.